Welcome to 30 Minutes with Nettie. My name is Nareda Fernandez, I go by Nettie, and I am your host. The mission of 30 Minutes with Nettie is to provide a platform to discuss and share personal stories to enhance our understanding and personal growth. The idea is simple. The more we share, the more we can learn from one another. Hola, welcome to week 26 of 2017. Joining me today is David Villalobos, an alderman from the city of Waukegan. Before we jump into it, I want to thank you for tuning in and thank you for sharing it with your friends and family. Your support means the world to me and because of you, I continue to create these. You can find me on social media under at Nettie's Podcast and if you would like to join me on an episode, you can contact me at nettiespodcast at gmail.com. You can find the podcast under the iTunes podcast app or SoundCloud. Or for all my Android users, you could find it under the Google Play Music app. Make sure you subscribe to either or for easier and quicker access to each episode as I will be releasing more than one episode this week. I hope everyone is having a good week. I will talk to you very soon. And I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Let me know what you think. Hi guys, I'm here with David Villalobos. He's a fourth ward alderman of City of Waukegan. Hi, David. Hi, Nettie. How are you doing today? Good. Well, first of all, thank you for joining me. Thank you for this opportunity. I reached out to you after hearing you on the NPR Latino. The, hmm. What is the energy? What is it called? Uh, so that's deals with my volunteer work with Clean Power Lake County, which is under the umbrella of the Sierra Club's Beyond Coal National Campaign to reduce the number of coal burning power plants across our nation. Waukegan has one on its lakefront that's been in operations for close to a century, I believe. Mm -hmm. So that's that NPR story derived from my work with that as a volunteer in the community of Waukegan to try to improve our lakefront. Got it. And earlier we were talking about, we've met a couple times, but we really don't know much about each other. Mm -hmm. So I want to take this opportunity to learn more about you and share it with the community because, one, you are from, born and raised in Waukegan? Correct. You are Latino descent. Latino descent. And you are an alderman. I am an alderman. Also, I am the presently the youngest alderman. I was about to mention, and you you look very young. I'm not. Yeah. We don't have to say the age, but I'm about you're... 15, 16 years younger than my colleagues on council. Okay. Um, I was told also I'm somewhere like in the top 10 youngest ever elected in Waukegan. Oh, okay. As well as the first alderman of Mexican descent. Oh, okay. Yeah. So then. Let's start out, let's go back a little bit. Tell us a little bit about who you are growing up, your childhood. Sure, yeah, so I guess I can start with actually like how I came in this world because that's kind of an interesting story too in its own right. Um, my mother has been sharing with me over the years kind of like how I came to be and it actually helps me now as an adult to keep perspective on life. So um, my sister before me is about three and a half years older than me and when my mother had her, the doctors told her that she could no longer have children. 
So my mother said, okay, well, doctors know what they're talking about. Can't have any more children. Lo and behold, um, she gets pregnant with me. And the doctors tell her, well, she has a tumor in her head near her, uh, between her eyes. And the tumors went from pregnancy. The hormones caused tumors to grow. Mm. And they said that the tumor would grow enough to sit on her optic nerves and she would go blind if she went through with the full term of the pregnancy with me. So she told me that they did a case study of her while she's pregnant with me. Uh, backtrack a little bit too, actually. So she had to make a choice, mm. keep the child or not. Listen to what the doctors say or not. Um, she told me that was one of the first times she actually turned to God and prayed and, and kind of followed her faith on that situation. And lo and behold, here I am in the world. So that story, when she shared it with me when I was a younger person, kind of was like, oh, wow, that's pretty amazing. And then as I become an adult and my life has evolved to what it is present day and whatever it could be in the future, it sticks in my brain now that like to even come into this world, there was obstacles for me, which is kind of interesting because... I've had a pretty blessed and successful life, but to get into this life, there was some barriers already up in place for me. Yeah, and so is your mom okay? My mom is okay. Um, she didn't go blind, thankfully. Yeah, how does that make you feel? It Well, presently as I think about my life, you know, being in the role that I have as an alderman, um, and the, again, the blessings I've had throughout my life, um, it's it, it's it makes me grateful to be in this world you know to keep all things in perspective like i'm alive like it's amazing to be alive and mm -hmm. i think it's like breathing like you just don't think about it and you don't think about being alive until like you come to a situation where like oh my god this is life and death and mm -hmm. you know so to have to not have to gone through like a life and death situation to appreciate life mm -hmm. i feel like i'm already ahead yeah so you said you're from Mexican descent. Yes, I was born in Waukegan. I'm actually a second generation Waukegan. I, my okay. father was born in Waukegan. Uh, my father, my mother was born in San Antonio, Texas. Okay. Um, so my grandparents, my paternal grandparents, um, lived in Waukegan for about a decade or so, and then moved to what's presently Beach Park. Okay. And my dad was one of 15 children. Uh, Twelve made it to adulthood. Three died as infants. And my father was the only one that moved back to Waukegan. My mother, she, her family didn't move from Texas to Illinois until she was somewhere around, I want to say, really teenager okay. or thereabouts, um, 14, 15, 13, somewhere around there. Um, and my grandparents, uh, my maternal grandparents, didn't initially move to Waukegan. Like, they went from one community in Illinois to another, and then eventually landed in, in Waukegan. Okay. And my parents met actually through my mother dating a guy that my father knew. Okay. So So one of your one of my father's dad's friends, friends is the one who said, Hey Well matchmaker. Sort of. One of my dad's friends was actually seeing my mother. Oh, okay, okay. And that didn't work out and that's how my mother and father met. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, so then you grew up in Waukegan. This is Yeah, this is my hometown. This is your here. hometown. Tell us how you started getting into the political world. Uh, well, yeah, that's where I presently at. This was um, politics was nowhere near my radar growing up. I I am not really politically inclined. Um, what I'm what I'm really good at is actually is talking and engaging with people, and so I found positions in this world where I can do that. There's two things I love to do. I love meeting people, and I love sharing information and ideas, and whatever vocation I'm in where I can do those two things 
I'm usually happy for it. Um, I see aldermanship as a vehicle to do that because one, I'm constantly meeting new people through this opportunity, and two, I think aldermanship is basically being a resource guide for people. So I learn more to give more to others. Um, to go back to your question about Waukegan and everything, um, yeah, this is my hometown, so I went through the public school system here. I went to North Elementary School, K through four. I went to Cook uh, Magna for fifth grade, and then I went to Abbott Middle School, sixth, seventh, eighth, and I was actually the first class to go sixth, seventh, eighth, because that's right when Waukegan shifted from junior highs to middle schools. Okay. And then after that, I went to Waukegan High School, and I was um, I was in the CSP program, the College Studies program, which no longer exists at our school district anymore. Um, and then after that, I went on to university. I went to University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign, where I got my bachelor's in English, and I have a I have a bit of a background. They call it a concentration in mathematics, which means I was a failed math major. I did all the curriculum and coursework for a math degree, but I just don't have the degree for it. Got it, got it. Um, and I have a little bit of my master's under my belt through National Lewis and the master's in the arts of teaching, specializing in special, educa special education. Okay. Um, so that's a little bit of my educational background. Um, How was it growing up? I mean... Um, growing up in Waukegan, you know, I was... I want to say kind of like the average Waukegan Act presently of my mind, like I really wasn't engaged with the community. I I did the thing of going to school, coming home, doing homework, wake up the next morning and do it again. Um, again, because my dad was the only one that moved back to Waukegan and we spent a lot of more time with my father's side of the family than my mother's side of the family. I spent a lot of time in Zion and Beach Park also. Okay. So my summers were really spent there in Zion and Beach Park because I grew up playing baseball. Mm. And a lot of my cousins are about, I have about six or seven cousins like my age. Okay. So we were all like on the baseball team together. Mm -hmm. And so I would like spend the night from cousins to cousins to cousins out throughout the summer. Mm -hmm. So a lot of my summers were spent there. And then when I became an early teenager, I joined a traveling baseball team. So I spent a lot of summers in other states, you know, traveling, playing baseball. Yeah. And again, while I was in high school, I continuously played baseball and, and during the summers. So I would go to baseball games, hang out with friends. And that was it. So I didn't do a lot of community events stuff in Waukegan. I didn't do a lot of, um, like, I mean, there's things that are going on in Waukegan for 20, 30 years, like events that I'm learning. Right. Um, I learned now or I've learned in the past 10 years that they existed. So then when was it that you started being very involved with Waukegan, I, with the, the community? That path started for me in 2005 when I graduated from college. Okay. Um, my friend, Jermaine Castellanos, actually, he and I sat down over a beer and we were talking, and um, Jermaine was in his early 20s. I was in my early 20s at that point in time. And Jermaine had gone through changes in his life that led him on the path to get into politics in Waukegan. And he had ran unsuccessfully for the sixth ward alderman in Waukegan at that point in time. And so when I came home from college, he had just, that, that election season had just ended, and he was, um, I think what the situation was for him was that he got He's, his petitions got challenged and he got kicked off the ballot. Okay. But he had started getting involved with other elections in the area in Waukegan. And so we're sitting over there talking and he's just like, what do you plan on doing that you graduated? Stuff like those type of questions. And I was like, I don't know. He's like, you can be an alderman if you want to. You can be a mayor if you want to in Waukegan. I was like, really? Like, how so? He's like, oh, if you look at the voter turnout, you know, the way that things work out, you know, the voter, like the voter turnout for aldermanship is really low. It's like maybe 10%. Mm, okay. um, like, to become alderman, there was 400 and I believe it was 417 votes casted in the general election against me and the incumbent alderman. 
um, I ended up with like 236 of that. Mm. So yeah. really wasn't a lot of votes to get this position of pretty much a, a, a very potentially powerful place in, in Waukegan's right. you know, society hierarchy. Um, but he was the one that put that idea in my head, and my response to them then, I, I recall still vividly, was I need to learn Waukegan as an adult. I can't just jump into the political scene because that's where I think I need to be. I was like, I need to figure out if I want to even stay home right now. I need to figure out like what my next steps in life are. I was like, that's a cool idea, and it stuck with me. And part of it, I'll be honest, was a little bit of ego. Like, hmm, the sounds of becoming an alder and the sound of becoming mayor. That sounds pretty cool, haha, you know. But I, I, to be truthful, I think that's a part of why it stuck with me a little bit because ego. I mean, we all have egos. Mm -hmm. Um, but as I mulled it over for like a couple of years, actually, like whether I was even be staying, well, I was going to stay in Waukegan, I finally made the choice about two years later um, that I was going to stay in Waukegan. And when I made that conscious choice, I said, okay, if I'm going to be in this community for the foreseeable future, I want to help make it a better place to live. I'm tired of hearing people down talk my community, say Waukegan is no place to live, it's dangerous, there's all this violence and crime, and people are scared to come here. And I was like, I, I don't like that rhetoric about the community. And I was like, I'm going to be here. I want to change that. I want to change people's vision of what Waukegan is and what they perceive Waukegan to be. And so I started consciously working in Waukegan, volunteering in Waukegan. And there was always in the back of my brain this idea like this can help towards that eventual, should I run for office here in Waukegan? Um, so I volunteered with various organizations uh, in Waukegan, like I volunteered with FIST in the past. Uh, I volunteer very little bit right now with like Waukegan Main Street and uh, Greentown Urban Farming. I was actually on the board with Greentown Urban Farming for a little bit. I was more involved with them a couple of years ago. Now I've kind of fallen off on that. I'd like to get back with them because I think um, Urban Farming aligns with my ideas of how to create sustainable communities. Okay. Um, I also volunteer with presently with like Clean Power Lake County. I volunteer um, with Little Forts Lion Club right now. Um, I volunteer. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, on a, I'm a trustee for the library now. I used to work at the Waukegan Public Library, and it's kind of an interesting dynamic to have worked here and now be on the board of it. Um, I've also done some volunteer work briefly with Waukegan to College. Um, so. Those were like my summer volunteer work, and then my jobs here in Waukegan post college. Um, I used to work at Burton's Bowen Alley actually as a weekend manager. That, like, I, after college, I had about four part time jobs at one point in my life. Because mm. um, after college, actually, my thoughts were to go into education and to become a teacher, which is still actually one of my bucket lists of jobs to do in, this, in my lifetime, is still become a teacher. And so I was pursuing becoming a teacher. And so in those efforts, I, was, I worked at an after-school program called Orion's Mind, which was based out of Chicago, but they had their um, curriculum here in Waukegan mm -hmm. and Zion. Um, I was also working like as a delivery driver for a restaurant. I was working as a, a weekend help for a bowling alley. And what was my fourth job? I can't remember that one. But well, I had at least three at one point. Right, but right. I'm pretty, sure, I'm pretty sure I had four. And then so... Um, Eventually, I started working at CLC in the writing center because my degree is in English. Okay. So I ran into a friend of mine from high school that was going to CLC, and he was working in the writing center. He's like, hey, they're looking for people to help out. Why don't you jump in on this? I was like, okay. So I went and applied for that, um, took a course on how to become a tutor at CLC, which was really helpful for me. 
because it also aligns with my ideas of becoming an educator. Mm -hmm. And so I did that, and then after a semester, I wanted to become a, a math tutor, too, because I have an extensive background in mathematics. And that was a fun situation, too, because like when I talked to the math center lady, she looked at me like I had an extra head on my shoulders because she's like, no one tutors both. Yeah. Most people do math or they do writing, but never yeah. both. I was told afterwards I was the first person to ever do both. Mm. And I became like their go-to person for calculus because I've done extensive math. I've done multiple calculus courses in my life. Yeah. I can remember the bulk of it, and whatever I don't remember, I just read the book over and, oh, yeah, I remember this again. This, when it comes this how you do it. Yeah. yeah. So that kept me in education. I was at Grays Lake for a while, and then I was started working at the Lakeshore campus, so it kept me in Waukegan. Got it. And so the CLC job was... The Grays Lake job was the last time I worked outside of Waukegan. That was over a decade ago now. Okay. So... From CLC, I moved into the, the Waukegan Public Library, and I worked there the bulk of my professional life, which was six and a half years. And the Waukegan Public Library, again, was a conscientious thing to stay here, and there was opportunity for me here at the library. And again, I, noise in the back of my brain was, this can help me when I run, because I started off in the reference desk, helping out patrons, so I was really learning how to do like person-to-person -person skills, which... Truthfully, it's like a natural skill set of mine, and I didn't realize it was a skill set till the library do opportunities to become better at my professionalism. I did a skills assessment. The skills assessment said the best, the four out of the five, top five things that you do as spartable skills are related with people. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, oh my God, like this is a skill. I'm not just, it's always been easy for me to talk to people and engage mm -hmm. with people and just have just conversations. But when I realized it's a skill set, I was like, oh my God, I can be good at this. This could be something I can use to actually get me through this world, which doing now quite honestly so from the library um, that ended in 2013 uh, I was unemployed for about eight months in, four, in 2014 and then I started doing substitute teaching with the school district because again I wanted to get back to becoming an educator um, but at that time too at the end of 2014 I realized the election season was coming up for aldermen I was like well I'm unemployed and I actually made the choice back in about the summer of 2014 to run for office. And I was like, I'm unemployed. I have opportunities in my life because I didn't see it as a failure. It's like, oh, I'm unemployed, boo-hoo me. I was like, no, I, everything's available to me now, right? There's nothing to hold me back. So this idea of running for office, it's almost, it's presently about nine years later. I'm like, I put all this time, effort into learning the community, becoming a better engager with uh, community members and building a network right. of my own here in Waukegan. Mm -hmm. And so in 2014, I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to try to become a teacher. I'm going to do both because why not and see which one's successful because mm -hmm. there's no guarantee to either. So I was applying to graduate school to a, a program called Antec, which is an alternative licensure program to get your teaching certification. Okay. So the way that, that one works is it's, it's graduate school work, but while you're doing graduate school, you have to get a job as well to continue on with the coursework. And so you're doing graduate school work simultaneously with actually getting hands-on experience in the classroom. Mm -hmm. So I applied to that. I was accepted. I ran for office. I was successful. So 2015 was just a big old like, oh my God, there's so many things on my plate right now. Mm -hmm. I was working as a, a long-term sub at the, at the high school. So I was the teacher of notes. I was doing the grade book, the curriculum, all the stuff, right? which being a teacher is very time consuming in its own right. Like it's not just the time you spend in the class, like there's right. prep time, there's mm -hmm. before and after, there's all this work to be done with it, right? And then I was in 
starting graduate school, so that, that course load was interesting to cohort, try to work through, and then I'm a, I'm a freshman alderman. <laughs> and that dynamic was like, okay, there's so much to learn, yeah. you know, and I was in an arena I'd never been in before, like I said, like I said politics is not my background. Yeah. Community engagement is my background. So for those who don't know what an alderman does, mm-hmm. why don't you? So the more or less dictionary definition of an alderman is the city is part of the, the legislative body for the city that they govern. So we are the ones that sit on council and we vote. And what we vote on can be anything from the expenditure of our funds. How do we spend our money? What do we spend it on? It can be on the passing amendment or rejection of our laws in the community. It can be the approval to move forward on major projects. Um, we have to approve, for the city of Waukegan, anything that's over $20,000, either as expenditure or income that comes in through like say a grant or something, we have to approve that and say yes, we'll accept the money or yes, we'll spend the money. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the things that we do at the council mm-hmm. level. Um, other things that we do that we are also kind of the intermediary between city hall and residents. Okay. So we're like a middleman in a sense. So if a resident has an issue, anything from the sidewalk to the street is city property and city has to fix or repair anything that's damaged there. Um, so if a resident has issue with, you know, say the sidewalk in front of my house is all deteriorated and crumbling and it's a trip safety hazard, and the resident doesn't know how to start the process, they can reach out to the alderman. Or in some cases, the resident knows to reach out to public work because they work with that, but they haven't gotten any contact back. They they ask me to step in and say, hey, can you be my spokesperson to public works and say, what's going on with this? So sometimes my conversation to public works is, this is the first time you're hearing about this, here's the request, or there was a request submitted, what's the status of it? And sometimes simply just asking the status of a project gets the ball rolling again. Right. Um, and sometimes aldermen, the things I've come across that kind of weren't expected. Like I've been a mediator, like a intermediate. I'm sorry. Uh, a person to like so neighbor neighbor issues. Okay. The word I, I just lost it in my head. Um, like a, a neighbor has an issue with another neighbor, and they're not willing to talk to each other. So, oh, really? So Sorry. I've gone in and like helped them, you know, figure out. Uh, their situation, their problems, yeah. and find a better place to work together. You know, like, yeah. for example, like an elderly couple live next door to a single father, right? And the single father, um, this happened last summer, he was, he was working like third shift or second shift, I think. So in the daytime, he was kind of sleeping. And his kids, the oldest one was kind of old enough to kind of see the other little ones. The other little one was maybe as, as young as like five or something like that. So it was like, it was like five to 12 was kind of the age range. And the kids were like, you know, playing in the front yard, playing in the neighborhood. The neighborhood's pretty nice. There's a bunch of children in the neighborhood, so they have friends there. And the friends would come to the house, and they would leave their bikes in the shared parking lot. Um. And so the older couple was like, the bikes are always here. We don't want to run over the bikes. They keep leaving their bikes here. We have issues with bikes. Mm-hmm. And they tried talking to the father, and the father wasn't really responsive to them because, in my estimation, they probably came at him like, like, you need to do this, you need to change this, right? Like, like wag my finger at you oh, when I talk yeah. to you situation. Um, so he was non-responsive to it. So they called me up. I go there and I start talking to them and saying, hey, this is the situation I got called about. Can you tell me more about you know what's going on here, please? I talked to the elderly couple. I talked to the father. I talked to the kids. And talking to the kids is actually what really helped solve the problem. I was telling the kids, like, hey, don't leave your, you don't want to leave your bikes up, for one, because they, they, might, they might get run over. 
so your bike is broken, you can't have a bike anymore. Or two, you never know, someone might walk by and just take your bike and now it's stolen and now you're without a bike. I was like, you guys are all in the backyard here, having fun, enjoying yourselves, bring your bikes back there with you, right? And they actually would storm in the backyard, but while they were using them, they leave them in the front, run right. in the back, and go back and forth that right. way. So in talking to the children, they realized what they were doing. They didn't realize what they were really doing and how it was affecting their neighbor. And so my message to them also was, this is your neighbor. Be nice to your neighbor. They're an elderly couple. Be mm -hmm. nice to the elderly couple, right? They're mm -hmm. good people, too. And <laughs> I remember one of the younger boys looking at me, and he said to me, he's like, I think I'm going to cry. And I was like, why are you going to cry? I was like, I'm not, am I yelling at you? Am I being mean to you in some way? He's like, no. I was like, then there's no need to cry right now. I was like, I understand you might be a little upset because I'm a, kind of a stranger adult talking to you. Mm -hmm. I was like, but I'm not yelling at you, am I? He's like, no, you're not. I was like, okay, so how yeah. do you feel now? He's like, I feel better. Yeah. Okay, okay then, so you also... Yeah, so sometimes, <laughs> yeah, sometimes you mediate things and that happens. Like Those aren't expected ones. Um, so you earlier you said that you hated um, the stereotypes of Waukegan, right? Yes, absolutely. What are you doing to help change those? A couple of things, like stereotypes of Waukegan is like, okay, the perception of violence in Waukegan. One of my talking points about that with people just in general is like, Waukegan is the ninth largest city in the state of Illinois. We're a city proper, right? So if you say Waukegan has more violence than communities around it, in Lake County, that's going to be absolutely true just because we're bigger by sheer mass and size. There's just more people, which means more. most crimes are crimes of opportunity. There's just more opportunity to do stuff. So that's the first thing. And another thing I'll ask people, too, that have this perception of Waukegan is, like, has anything ever happened to you, whether they are residents of Waukegan or visitors of Waukegan? And the bulk of them say no. So I'm like, so where do you really see this crime that you fear, and where do you really experience this crime that you fear? And that dialogue makes them say, wait, Am I just feeding into this thing without really thinking about it through? Mm -hmm. And so I've changed some people's minds in that way. Um, you know, and the other thing too, the other way is also just kind of like having more community stuff going on, you know. If there's more community around, people feel safe actually. Mm -hmm. You know, like if there's a community event, they tend to feel safe. Um, but one of the areas that I represent, part of the town is downtown Waukegan. About 90% of downtown Waukegan is in the fourth ward. And there's about 20 vacant storefronts right now there. And so people get weary. Like if you're walking down the street at night and like it's you and like there's one other person walking towards you, people, it's just natural to have that little sense of anxiety. But if you're walking down the street and there's 20 people around you, there's really no sense of fear because there's people around and you know there's witnesses and you just kind of just, you just mm -hmm. aren't as apprehensive to be walking down the sidewalk. So some of the things I'm trying to do is get more things happening in downtown Waukegan. I'm working with the business owners right now um, on a couple of projects um, just to kind of figure out what can we be doing. There's trying to identify the barriers on why these storefronts are closed. There's There's been some random crazy barriers I've come across. Like sometimes the business, the building owners buy the building as a tax write-off situation and they don't want to put the money into rehab in the building to actually make it a space that it can be used again. Um, I've heard stories of how people looking to do business in downtown Waukegan call the business, the property owner to see about renting the space or whoever their representative in terms of a real estate agent and they're like, you don't want to do business in Waukegan. Mm -hmm. don't, do your, don't put your business in downtown Waukegan. You don't want to be there. Mm -hmm. Like there's active like push against Waukegan. Yeah. You know, and, th and those are the things that just blow my mind. Like people are actively trying to keep Waukegan down.
Mm-hmm. Um, so situations like that, and this is a step I haven't taken yet that I really need to start taking more of is actually talking to these building owners and saying, why right. are you doing this? What is it that the reason why? Ninth largest city in the state, we have enough bodies here to support a lot of economics, you know, but people take their money outside of Waukegan. Waukegan supports a lot of their communities because a lot of our high-end, high-paying civil um, roles here, those people that hold those jobs in Waukegan live in other communities. So they take their salary home with them that community. They take their property tax to that community. You know, so we've we've actually been helping other communities be better. Yeah, I do notice graduate, you get a good job and then you move out of Waukegan. Right, right. You know? That happens. You know, that's been going on for a while. So the generational reinvestment is one of the questions that's been starting to tr- percolate in my brain. Um, I don't have an answer for it right now, but the idea that the questions in my brain, like how do we keep generational retention here? What what kind of jobs, what kind of things need to be in Waukegan to have those college students come back home and say, I can make it work? Mm-hmm. I found a path in my own life, right? I came home and I said, I made the choice to be here before I actually had a fully vetted plan out, mm-hmm. but I made the choice and I followed the path that took me to where I'm at now. Yeah. Um, I guess that this this could be an open question to the community, to people who listen to the podcast, yeah, who are from Waukegan and you know have chosen to stay or chose to move out, and the reasons why. Right. I guess there's a lot of people who might say like job opportunities, but it's not like the city that they move to is where their job is at. You know what I mean? Yeah, a lot of people don't work where they live. Right, you know? right. Like, again, I've been able to... Or safety, I guess, is one of them. And again, it goes to the whole... Um, perception of Waukegan. And, and this is kind of some of my own personal research I did about safety and violence in Waukegan and the perception of that. So before we started recording, I shared with you a little bit about myself and how the purpose or of this podcast was to make a lot of people from my community visible mm-hmm. because I also know about these negative stereotypes and me in my world I just know so many great people smart people educated oh absolutely they come from Waukegan yeah I, I know students from Waukegan that are presently going to Georgetown University going to Berkeley going to Stanford like yeah. we have kids and I have, I have a peer one of, one of my classmates graduated from Harvard yeah. You know, like, Waukegan sends students to Ivy League schools. We send them to the best in the nation. We have some of the best in the nation that come out of Waukegan. And, again, it goes to the idea, like, they come back, but there's, like, how do they how do they make themselves ingrained in Waukegan again? You know, the right. idea of, like, well, I, I, I leave Waukegan and go to more fertile ground, right? Um, they exist, you know, like, we have professional athletes out of Waukegan, professional musicians out of Waukegan. We have, and that's present day. Mm-hmm. That's not the past, because people talk of the past, Jack Benny, Ray Bradbury, right? Those are like iconic figures that have roots in Waukegan, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Vincent Price, right? And that's, but present day, we still have tons of talent that come out of here. One of my, um, actually one of the ladies here at the library, she's been working for many years. Her son graduated from MIT about two years ago, right? Like MIT, like one of the best engineering schools in the nation. The guy graduated from there, from Waukegan. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, definitely. That's why 
I wanted to have you on the podcast and let people know about you. What's your next step? Where do you see yourself in the near future? I, at this present day, yes, I do want to run for re-election. Uh, one of my goals is to kind of run, I want to try to do two terms, eight years. Okay. Because um, to me, being a one-time alderman, like a one-term alderman, okay, it's an accomplishment, but then was it really an accomplishment in my eyes? Like, you know, I was able to do one term, but then um, the people... You know, did they support me or not, right? And if okay. I lose, okay, they didn't. That means I wasn't that great. If mm-hmm. I could get a re-election, I was like, okay, then I'm at least decent as an okay. alderman. <laughs> you know, and again, because my goal, when I, when I thought about this whole situation in my life and I started pursuing it more, and actually this even stems back to 2005 um, and the 2007 decision to actually stay in Waukegan to make it a better place to live, the one thing that's kind of my measuring stick for success is when I start to hear people when I start to hear people say I want to move to Waukegan. Hmm. So between now and whenever that happens, if I can play a role in that, mm-hmm. I'll be happy. Um, I also want to try to and presently while I'm in office, I want to try to change how we do our politics in Waukegan. Um, are you familiar with any of the politics of Waukegan? Anything in the historic stuff about that? No. no. So Waukegan has kind of been coined as like a little Chicago. Mm-hmm. Where you get kind of like these, uh, this money comes in and flows in, and there's negative campaigns that happen and backroom deals and things like that, money under the table. Like, okay. well, Keegan's kind of known for that right mm-hmm. now, and I want to shift that perception too. In terms of shifting the perception of Keegan as a whole, that's one of the another perception that needs to be shifted. So, for me. I got into office because I was able to engage with people, you know. I didn't spend much money in my, in my elections. I spent $20 in the primary and I beat two guys. I received $1,000 in donations. I spent less than that in my general to beat the incumbent. And I really, in my re-election, I'm trying to think, do I need to ask people for money? I come to the answer of no, because to me, like, in the organizer's world, power is defined as organized people and or organized money. Okay. And I fall under the organized people spectrum because I prefer people. You know, I understand money has its place in this world and how it's ne- as a necessity at times. But to me, to really make the, the long-lasting connections with individuals, you, you got to do it at a person base, like person to person and everything like that. So to change the scope of, of Waukegan, I don't, my thing is we, don't, we need to get away from this, this idea that there's backroom dealings and this, you know, shady business quite honestly and I'm completely I don't I mean I don't money doesn't drive my world and Waukegan is known as a democratic community so people have used that to their own advantage in Waukegan I'm gonna run as a Democrat and I'm gonna just get what I can out of the community and just walk away Hmm. that's happened in the past I want people that run for office to be community engagers I want people that run for office in Waukegan to people that have built their network organically in Waukegan they know their neighbors. They're willing to talk to their neighbors. I'm told I'm a different type of alderman just because I talk to a lot of people and I build networks and I love talking and engaging. I tell people answers. Mm-hmm. I'm told I'm different. <laughs> I need to change that landscape. Right. I need to get people that are like-minded in terms of community engagement to be yeah. in our roles of leadership. And the thing of it is that I've realized, too, like I said, the vote turnout is not that huge in Wonky. And so to step up to this role... There's not a lot of votes you need. It's work still to get there, but it's not insurmountable. Mm-hmm. It's really doable for anybody. Um, and I'm starting to talk to young people right now and saying, let me put the idea in your head like it was put into mine. 
you can be in this role too. Yeah, you got to plant seeds because, in my estimation, good leaders develop more leaders. Mm -hmm. You know, and we've had in a space in Waukegan where our leadership has been like me, me, me. You stay down there. Don't 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 worry about what's going on over here. Where I'm like, come on, come here, come here. Like, can I have a seat at the table? I want to tell you about what's going on because you can help it out. Yeah, yeah. So that's another thing, like to change Waukegan and to change our politics here is one of my goals too. Um, I honestly believe in term limits. Like you come in, you do a good job, you raise the bar and the person behind you should raise the bar even more and the people that vote should expect that person to raise the bar. Yeah. We're at a space right now where we have all wards that are uncontested. So the same alderman's there over and over and over. I don't know about you, but me personally, if I'm not given a challenge, what do I do? I backslide. I do less. If I'm not challenged, I do less. You know, And I have to believe that some of the situation that happens here in Waukegan where uncontested wards, is that is that well, colleague right now of mine, are they really doing their best? Are they really putting the effort in that needs to be put in? I don't know. You know I know how I would react to the situation, and I wouldn't put my best in all the time. I want to see a Waukegan where we have five, seven people running for aldermen because then that becomes a viable spot that you have to work to hold. Yeah. You don't have to work to hold it right now. Right. You know, and also the, to me, it, it's the idea of if you saturate the pool of candidates for these for these positions of leadership, and as I said before, there's only so many people that actually vote regularly. In order to become a successful at it, you have to get more voters to come in. So you have to build the voter pool too then, which means more people voting, more people engaged, which in turn, to me, voters, people that vote in the community are more invested in the community. I'm gonna take the yeah. time to know who's in office, to know who that person is, or at least a name. Right. You know, because I talk to people and they're like, Alderman, what's that? Alderman, what do you do? Or there's wards in Waukegan, Waukegan's in wards. Like there's nine wards, I didn't know that, you know? Because all people think about in Waukegan is like the mayor. They know the mayor. Everyone knows the mayor, right? You know the idea of the mayor. They may not know who the mayor Can is. <laughs> yeah, they may not know who he is, though, sometimes, right? Sometimes they don't know the mayor, but people know the idea right. of a mayor. Right. They don't understand the idea always of an alderman, which kind of leads to your first question, what is an alderman, mm -hmm. right? You know, we are actually the power dynamic. The way our government really should work in Waukegan is it's kind of like a, like a corporation board where the board of trustees are the ones that kind of set the pathway, and the, the executive director is the one that kind of steers the ship, right? The ultimate kind of the ones are supposed to set the pathway and the vision, and the mayor's supposed to do the execution of it. It's been flip-flop for so long, where the mayor, you know, is, is, is considered to be the visionary for the community, and the aldermen are just kind of be there to say, sure, go ahead, go mm -hmm. ahead, go ahead, that's fine, yeah, go ahead, yeah. yes, 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 you know, but... In the two years I've been here, you know, I've realized that power dynamic needs to change for Waukegan to be a better place, too, because, again, the aldermen, we are the governing body as well. You know, the mayor, people ask me, well, who's your, the mayor's your boss? People tell me, oh, the mayor's your boss. Like, no, mayor's not my boss. I literally have no boss right now. Who I'm, what I'm accountable to is the people and the residents. I'm accountable to them. But in terms of, like, the like your normal idea of, like, the work hierarchy, like... Yeah, yeah. There is nothing for me there. I'm kind of an outlier in a sense. And I have to make sure that I don't let that go to my head, obviously, because I think that happens at sometimes too. We're like, oh, well, I'm in charge. I'm in charge, right? I'm the boss. But it's like, nah, really? Like, you can't have that mentality. You have to work together. Right. You know, right. and so 
with our new mayor in place, you know, he speaks of working more collaboratively, and I love that. I'm, I, I'm a collaborative worker too. Like, you get more done with more hands. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to, he's working at being more transparent with the alderman too, which again, I absolutely love. My background at the libraries, six and a half years, part of the pillars of my belief system are transparency and access to information. You know, and that's another thing that I want to help move along at City Hall is that I have us be more transparent and accessible to the residents. You know, as I think about like how I got to where I got and the path I took to get here, I am absolutely like feel blessed that the library was part of that path. The libraries, you know, like our public libraries are institutions here, you know, access to information, knowledge, like anybody can learn by going to a library, you know, and yep. so <laughs> Those ideals were set in me, and they 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 really stay. They're, they're I mean, they're internal for me now, right. and they're my belief system that they are who I am now. Well, thank you so much for everything that you're doing, not only in the community. It's obvious that you read and you keep up and you you know a lot, and you also have a lot of leadership traits. Which, like you said, there's a lot of people who would just say, "I'm the boss and I'm in charge, and this is the way it's going to be," but it seems like you are a what would define like a true leader. I do close out all the episodes with the same two questions. One yes. current goal that you're working on right now and an art that you would like to share that you think it's worth sharing. And this could be in a form of writing to a book. It could be in the form of music, some type of artist or film. Right. So, um, in preparing for this, I did listen to a couple of your podcasts, and you know, I was aware that you had these two questions, and I was kind of just thinking, like, what are my answers for this? Mm-hmm. And let me flip flop this. I'm okay. gonna, I'm going to give you my uh, piece of art first. Okay. And I'm going to do a little explain. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to it's a poem, so I'm going to read it really quick. It's not too long. Okay. If that's okay, and I'll explain kind of why okay. this has kind of been important to me of late. Okay. And so this is the poem um, Ozymandias by Percy by by Shelley and it goes I met a traveler from an antique land who said two vast and trunkless legs of stone stand in the desert near them on the sand half sunk in shattered visage lies whose frown and wrinkled lip and sneer of cold command tell that its sculptor well those passions read which yet survive stamped on these lifeless things the hand that mocked them and the heart that fed. And on the pedestal, these words appear. My name is Ozymandias, king of kings. Look on my works, ye mighty and despair. Nothing beside remains, round the decay of that colossal wreck, boundless and bare. The lone and level sands stretch far away. So. That poem has come back into my life. I read that for the first time in college, and it's come back in my life of late because I think about how Waukegan was, and I think about what Waukegan can be. But I also think that everything, in long in a, in a long enough time frame, just go. It's ephemeral. It goes away, you know. And so, the way we've done things in Waukegan, and the way we continue sometimes, the mentality is, well, it's just because the way we've done it. And I'm just like but things change, nothing lasts forever. So we can change because again, things never, nothing ever lasts forever. Mm-hmm. And so that poem has been kind of resurfacing in my brain about that changing things, you know, like for example, the lakefront, we had the BRP site, it got demolished. 
Mm-hmm. That had been there for a long time, right? My work about the coal plant here, that's been there for, like I said, almost 100 years. That's eventually going to end and go away, too. Nothing lasts forever. Even the laws we make in this community don't last forever. They can get changed. They can get amended, right? They can get rejected. Everything over a long enough time frame just eventually kind of goes away or changes. So that poem has kind of been in my brain of late. So I wanted to share that with you. So that's Thank my you. that's my piece of art. Um, my goal, I'm like, can I give you two actually? Sure, go ahead, go for it. Because I've been going through this uh, experience of like kind of existentialism, like how I am as a person and what I'm doing. So uh, one of my personal goals is just to uh, spend more time at the beach. Okay. Um, to just kind of de- uh, disconnect from things at times because we're in a go-go society. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm valuing more and more of my space to kind of just be. Okay. Um, my professional goal, um, well, I've talked about a lot of my goals, right? Um, kind of one of the immediate ones right now is um, to try to help the business owners in downtown Waukegan. Okay. Um, they uh, had a proposal for the parking for them and possibly a way to help some of the customers out because they have some grievances. Mm. And so I'm trying to help them uh, kind of find a resolution for that or a temporary one. So I'm working on a pilot uh parking program with the business owners, okay. uh, myself and the mayor, and uh, parking department and traffic enforcement um, to try to alleviate some of the costs for them because, again, like they feel like they've been kind of just, the city's not really trying to support them. And I'm trying to find a way to say this is a small victory for you that can actually show that we are we do want to support you. Because downtown parking has just been a big thing mm-hmm. for decades. <laughs> so that's one of the things I'm presently working on, and that's a goal to get that going, and eventually that can lead into the eventuality of getting rid of parking meters in downtown Waukegan. Mm-hmm. That's a goal. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, I actually was struggling to find some change to park. Right. <laughs> well, good luck. Thanks. And hopefully we uh, keep in touch and get to work together. Yeah, I'd like that. For a better walk again.